Hey friends, this is Rob and welcome to question number 82. Are you a gardener or an architect? It's a conversation about process and journey and intentionality. It's my conversation with my friends, Terry Esau and Joel Bowers over coffee. Oh my God. What is going on? I'm sitting here with Sarah. Luna's involved. Involved. Our cat Luna is knocking things over. So, hey, how about we break here? Here's why listening is worth it. I know that you listening to this right now are just a bunch of dummies, and you only have the attention span of a small caterpillar. So I've got second, seven seconds to lock you in and prove that I know what I'm doing. Before they forget your own existence. What am I doing here? What is this podcast? Are I even listen? What is a podcast? You want to know what a freaking podcast is? Here's your freaking podcast. Where do you live? In the city. Do you have a house? Apartment. On a rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. Where's your office? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. What are you asking me? You're talking to me? What are you? Pop quiz, hot shot. Expect me to talk? For those of you joining us for the first time, my name is Rob Morgan, and for the past decade, I've been traveling the world as a bassist and music director, and this is my podcast, where I sit down over drinks on location with intriguing people I've met to try and get past what it is they do to find out who they are, why they do it, and what I can learn from them. I'm joined, I, would, I want to say as always. As sometimes. I'm joined as sometimes years ago. By as my wa- always, pre-2020? I don't know. I'm joined by my wife, Sarah. Hello. Can I offer you a pint of Guinness? I am quite thirsty. Hello. I've missed this. Even though this is question, Sarah has left. Sarah has sat down with nail polish remover and nail polish here. A signal to me. That I'm only half present. As Sarah always likes to remind me how rambly I have been in the past recording these podcast intros with her. But I'm confident that this is a new you. A new me feels good. New year. Uh, Hey, let's maybe while I'm pouring these Guinness, Guinnesses, Guinnesses? Yeah, Guinness. You're already dragging this on too long. Uh, Here you go. Cheers. Cheers. Still tastes like mother's milk. I sat down this morning, which is kind of fun. I'm recording this. Very fresh. Very fresh. It's fresh in my mind. Who was I? Uh, Joel Bowers and my buddy Terry Esau. Both of them have been on the podcast. Both of them have been Mm -hmm. on the podcast before. Joel was actually question number two. That's crazy. On this podcast. Uh, his his uh, episode is called Can You Retrain Your Brain? He's been on a bunch of the other Daily Guinness episodes and stuff like that. But he was like the second one I threw out there. Uh, Terry is question number 62. How do I balance conviction and curiosity? Really fascinating conversation. I love this guy. I feel like every time I run into him, I have a conversation with him, it always goes deep. So naturally, I'm like, okay, Joel and Terry, those two have already known each other. Let's get together and just see where the conversation goes. By the way, Terry's doing some really cool stuff right now with his nonprofits. Uh, he has a nonprofit called uh, that we talked about in the first episode uh, that's called Free Bikes for Kids. 
And the, his nonprofit right now that he's doing is free guitars for kids where oh, wow. they are giving away guitars because music is important. If you want to support or learn more about either of those, click the link in the show notes below and that's going to send you the webpage with way more information about Terry and his nonprofits. He's brilliant. But if you're digging this, also go check out that episode uh, and I will put the link to that one in the show notes. Anything else before we dive into it? How's your night going? Oh, God. <laughs> That's such a weird question. Man, I just, <laughs> I miss doing these with you. I know. I think I miss them too. This is my conversation with Joel Bowers and Terry Esau at Rustica Coffee Shop. Well, Rustica, I think is more bakery than coffee shop. I mean, their coffee's amazing. Yeah, I guess like- it is Rustica Bakery. So if you hear a little um, chipmunk cheeks happening, some little light nibbles happening at the very beginning of this episode. Um, Did you get something? Yeah, I had a croissant. And Joel had, I got a croissant and an Americano. Joel got a drip coffee and a bagel. Bagel? I didn't know they had those. And tear, I think it was a Lebanese bagel. Like it almost looked twisted. Yes. And you can pull it apart. And Terry had an Americano and a pastry. Mm. Take me there. I like this place. I do too. They had an eclair, a vanilla bean eclair. Now, oh, the first yeah. time I had it made me see that like the sky was bluer, the grass was greener. Yeah. My outlook on life was really good. <laughs> you had a psalm on. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, Amy. And that was so fun. Amy talked about how her boyfriend's favorite wine is like cheap, cheap gas station Chianti. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, you're bringing up the wine thing. Uh, big things like whatever you like is whatever you like. And it almost makes me think. Which of is so serving. refreshing. Totally. You know, from that highbrow world. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like every industry has that. Whether it's music or coffee right? there's always the more expertise or like not even expertise like more care someone gives to nerding out about something like I'm going to take this really seriously the more opportunity for snobbery and like poo-pooing <laughs> other people's tastes yes. like as your tastes go up the more of a chance to be like actually looking down yeah. you're a piece of crap down there you're, you yes. know, should maybe elevate oh, you anyways I'm just saying that because I think there's like there's, no, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing more refreshing than someone who's like a badass barista that's like, oh yeah, you like, what you you like Folgers? You like or Folgers? Something? Yeah, cool. That's great. Is that working? Yeah, great. Whatever you like is whatever if it you works like. for you. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I think I wonder what the separation is between snobbery around anything. Ooh, now we're getting deep. Come on, baby. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> I, knew and, I, I knew I invited Joel for a reason. And, <laughs> you know, okay, so like, there's, in some ways. If you're a snob about something, I think maybe you're still an amateur. Ooh, I like it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good, yes. I'm just Tell thinking me more about, about it. that, yeah. Well, it's because, I mean, you, you really don't make great art until you experience some heartbreak or loss. Right. Right? You can be, a, and are you, like, really snobby about that authentic expression of yourself? Not yeah. really. Most of the time you're like, yeah. I don't care what you think Mm -hmm. if this came from a genuine place and that is far more pro than amateur you know but I mean as soon as you get into what's the best 
like using words like, oh, this was the best book, mm-hmm. or this was the best painting, or that was the best music I've ever heard, then you're just not thinking about it experientially. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Unless it's this podcast. This Unless is the it's best. This, this, this is the best <laughs> podcast. Oh, yeah. Didn't even, like, um, uh, Harry Styles said that in his, um, in his speech. Grammy speech. Yeah, right. There's no best in music. Right. I just love that. I love that, too. Yeah. Of course, but he, doesn't of course hit. he won. Of course he won. It's easy to say that when you win. Just, yes. Oh, I know. But also, it only matters if you are the top. I mean, That's for me, true. like, if you're only... If someone's saying that, like someone that knows nothing about wine, being like, what have you like? It's like, whatever. You know mm. nothing. But having a psalm tell you, yeah, yeah. There's, if you like it, you like it. Whatever you drink is what you drink. Yeah. yeah. It's like you almost need someone to get to that level to then like respect their opinion maybe or my, I don't know. Well, if, you know, if somebody has to get to that level to respect their opinion, that um, maybe says something about us too. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. True. Yes. Maybe, that's true. maybe that that's says true. we're yeah. the... We're still in amateur space. We, res- we respect elitism in this country. <laughs> well, oh, man. I think I mean just more general. Yeah. We worship it. We worship elitism. 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Unless it comes to, like, uh, you know, experts know nothing. Only people on Facebook are the smart ones. There's that. That's yeah. the, is that the opposite of elitism? or I don't know. Well, I wonder if you can... In my mind, when you're saying this, I'm thinking... Like, you have to get to a certain point to get out of your own way. But I don't know if there's a way to circumvent that. Okay, but here's what I mean. Like, music, right? You have to, you have to, if if you're playing a show, you have to get to a certain point of skill and knowing what you're doing and knowing the song and knowing your instrument to then your ears open back up to what everybody else is doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And be interested. Because if you're still like in, like face down on what you're doing, right. you can't, your ears turn off to everybody else. Right. So you have to get to a certain uh, level in the situation right. to then be able to pay attention to everybody else. And one of the same thing happens in like any other interest where you have figured out, you get to your own level of figuring out what you like and your thoughts and nerding out about so when you can like lift your head up and be like okay what do you like and listen to other people and actually and respond and get past what you like if that makes I don't know if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense what's the writing equivalent of that what do you mean I don't know what's the writing (laughs) equivalent of like the posture of your okay I want to talk about this (laughs) so you decide you're gonna write a novel. You mm-hmm. decide you're gonna write a book. Yeah. You're really head down doing something. Is the is the clearest expression of writing not focusing on anything else and just putting your whole self into it? Or is it like is there a version of like one eye up looking around and collaborating with what you see well, around you, an unknown force, the cosmic story. That's interesting. Well, if your writing doesn't come from your observations of life. So I think it's maybe not like you have one eye up while you're writing. But if you haven't had one eye up living your life. You're not going to write You've much. got nothing to write about. I love so that. So you're writing on your observations of life, you know, your life experience. So you, you bring all of that into it. 
so I don't know. That's I, that's a you know what I'm saying. That's a historic collaboration. You know, right? It's not a present. Maybe it's not a present one. Do you have it in waves? Like then, when you were like writing your books, like do you, is it just okay? Now's the time. I'm just tunnel vision like this, or is it still? Do you still have balance? Um, it's a little balance, but it's usually. I mean, you guys know you're you're artists, so it's like when an idea hits. It hits, right? Right. And sometimes you have to work to make it hit. <laughs> it doesn't just all happen. Yeah. It might but, hit. Yeah. If I keep going, <laughs> yeah. it just yes. might well, hit. Well, you have yeah. a better chance yeah. of an idea hitting if you actually sit down and do the work, right? Yeah, totally. But That's once, pure gold. Yeah, but when, the, I, when you do have an idea and you go, oh, and you, you, usually you have an idea. That's a pretty good idea, right? Yeah. So when that hits, then it's like, okay, now everything else starts to get blurry for me. And it's like, I want to focus on that because I'm so interested in it. And it's like, maybe I want to know, where does this story go? Yeah. You know, so that's a... Because it started, so where does it go? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's it's like you have the first paragraph... And now, like we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I, I have this intense curiosity to understand where does this story go, Ugh. right? Yeah. That's that's I cool. I love that. Especially theory. with like, like you're creating a story, like novel-wise. Right. It starts with this. Right. Have any of your things started with anything other than the very beginning? Like this is where I want to. How do I get there? Or does it always just start with a spark at the beginning? Um. I think it starts with the spark, but then a lot of times the original idea does not end up being the final idea. So there's a, there's a progression. I mean, it's, it's like, I think as a writer of music, of words, whatever, we're discovering what this thing is going to be through the process of creating. Yeah. So you don't, it's not less necessarily like you discover what it is and then you create it. And then you regurgitate it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like you you start and then you go, oh, oh, this is where it wants to go. I yeah. Know. That. You know, like yes. that. Like oh, yeah. that. The novel that I wrote, that was like that, where I'm going, I, I know what I want. I know the big picture. Yeah. But I have no idea where it's going in between. And I don't know what characters are going to be the hero characters at the end. Interesting, yeah. You know? Uh, Neil Gaiman, the the writer, I I heard him recently say that all writers are either gardeners or architects. Ah. You're either an architect is, this is is it, so now I just have to put it on the paper. And then uh, gardeners are like that, which I feel myself more kindred to, where you're like planting... And you're listening to it where it's taking you and it's it's growing on its own. There's like this otherness yeah. relationship with it where you're not like yeah. with I mean, a box of Legos. You're, yeah. I've, I've only sense. written one novel, but, you know, I read about writing novels yeah. first because I had no idea what I was doing. Still don't. Um, but it's like they go, okay, you need to have a whiteboard and sticky notes and you have to create the full arc and the character development. You need to have the whole thing. And I'm yeah. going, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me. Yeah. And yeah. I go, I'm just going to start writing and see where it goes. I love so that. So it's like, I mean, I had, I had some basic structure. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, to me, if I had the whole structure in advance, it would limit where the creative you know maybe it's the observation the historical observation yes. and stuff where you go if I have if I create this whole architecture mm-hmm. 
now I've I've limited where this character can take me. And yes. all of a sudden this character says something and I go, why did they say that? Now that they said that, I have to change course. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay, when you're saying that, I'm in, you're talking about the, the craft of the, the story, like yeah, putting yeah. the story together too. But when you're talking, I can't help but think of, like it's almost talking about like mega zoom out life like, I was two, just, right? I was just going to say, or the creative this, is a, process. this is a parallel to life. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I mean, would you guys say you're more gardeners than architects? Or? Uh, to, quote, to quote a Taylor Swift song, I'm a mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> I, man, I don't think I've ever looked at it through that lens before. Man, a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, maybe I, that's a healthy well I've said thing. to both of you I mean I think there's been um, instinctual asking of the question what time is it for the majority of my life I just think asking what time it is has been a kind of a guiding factor because you can like then respond organically to what's happening or respond to what's organically happening right because whatever time it is, is that's it, right? So that's the organic nature. But how am I going to respond to the time that I find myself in? It feels a little bit like an architect. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. Really? Yeah, you say that. And I'm <laughs> like, they got to throw in something else. I, when you say that, I, my mind goes to... Well, in like gardening, you're you're react. There's still reaction. Be like, oh, I didn't get a you're ton of rain, so now I, there's still right. response. Like, okay, what time is it? It didn't. We didn't get a lot of rain, so I need to be, be intentional yeah. about watering. Whatever. There's still like. Totally. It's not like there's like shows where of, you were planting things. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the rows. Yeah, and weird volunteer things sprout up all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> God, you are so volunteer. stupid for thinking any other way than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are just dumb. You're not an architect. No, go on. This is all happening to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like there, there were big choices. Like when we decided that we had to get out of evangelical church world. It was perfect timing because my mom, mom would laugh at this, because mom passed in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, perfect opportunity to move to South Dakota. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Scoot and boot, yeah. baby. And... But I knew it was time to get out of doing like worship leader, telling people what to fear, or at best giving them some watered down thing to help them feel encouraged for a day or two. You know, I knew it was time to get out of that. So what time? It, what time is it? It's time to get out of this system. And um, something personal happened in life that allowed for us to just do that. You know, and then. Um, uh, COVID was in full swing and we just knew that it was time to move back to the cities just knew what time it was yeah. there's no doubt about it like that was that feels like gardening does it feel like gardening? doesn't that feel like gardening to you? Dude, I'm I'm such a nerd. Yeah, the whole time I'm thinking like, oh, I'm too married to this analogy. And I just <laughs> like, yeah. Well, oh yeah, let's let's milk it. Let's go. Dude, the most dangerous thing you can possibly do as a human is to stop, like, being curious about what time it is. 
Right. Because, and like, leave yourself in a smaller pot. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And be stuck, be like, oh, I'm comfortable here, this is my size, when you yeah. know, okay, now it's time to be put outside, or in the, or be moved to, Yeah. I don't know, maybe, what would make, would make you is think Is it of, a smaller pot or a safer pot? I think a lot of times... That's the way, yes. I, I think sometimes we think... I don't know. Just say it. <laughs> you were going to say it. You know, I, I think it's fear often. I think sometimes if you're an architect, if you live your life as an architect, there's a certain amount of fear that you're living with because an architect is somebody who controls something from the beginning, right? You control the process from the beginning. Wow. So if you're, if you're a gardener, you know, you're dependent on rain, you're dependent on all kinds of other stuff. Mm -hmm. So whether it's, you know, I, you can design a life that's expansive as an architect, but can you actually control your life to the point where you make it happen? And I think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying, they architect their life and then they spend their life trying to make that happen. Mm. And they ignore the opportunities along the way. Who is it that said, um, all my life I tried to, is that Henry Nowen? All my life I tried to avoid the interruptions to my work until I realized the interruptions were my work. Oh. So what if, and that's to me, that's, uh, that's yeah. gardening, right? Yeah. So if, if, the, if you don't allow for the interruptions, first of all, if you don't allow for it, you're an incurious person. Yeah, yeah. Which Rob Morgan hates incurious people. Oh, with yeah. a passion. Yeah, he's killed three of them. <laughs> yeah. That's why we'll never see uh, my deep freeze in the basement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the things I have viewed in my life as the sidetracking things, that yeah. this isn't part of the plan, or this isn't, are, the, are totally a thing, it's, yeah. it's part of it. To a certain degree, we're born with some instincts, right? Yes. Oh, big time. And we and ignore it, a lot of that. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I'm 68, you guys are not. I'm getting close. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting on you. One of the, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> one of the beauties of getting older is you stop trying to deny the core aspects of who you are and you just go you know not not to say i can't grow but it's like there's certain things about me that mm. i go this this is how i function and this is how i function well and these are the things that i'm curious about and if i suppress those yeah i'm not a happy person yeah and i don't know if i'm actually accomplishing what i need to accomplish if i suppress those things so yeah, I chase shiny objects sometimes and I'd fail, you know, at some of those things. But but it's a fun adventure. It's a curious adventure. Yeah. And that's why I love I love I love this podcast. <laughs> it's the best podcast. <laughs> best podcast number one. Because curiosity, you know, I we were talking earlier. Yeah. Without curiosity, we're just matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Don't I want my grandkids don't I want them yeah. to raise them to be in to be curious yeah. souls yes. to discover who they are and discover what life is and I feel sorry for people if yeah. they live a, an architectural a purely architectural life and pursue it with blinders on you know yeah their garden's not gonna grow yeah <laughs>
my journey has been, if we're like down this path, I feel like a gardener, like like a plant growing. But I've my entire life, I've felt like in the garden of plants that are around me, other people, my, I was, I've always been the slowest to bloom. I'm always feeling like I'm a season behind everybody else. Mm. I was a late bloomer physically in <laughs> high school. <laughs> I remember, like, I'm in, I'm in gym in high school, and I get girls yelling at me, I got more hair on my legs than you do, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> say, so, yeah. say, that's your problem. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> and a <the> razor. <laughs> that's an easy solution. <laughs> I can't fix this. <laughs> so, I, like, so even, like, the physically, but even mentally, like a like constant feeling that everybody else has it figured out more than I do my entire life it's been feeling like whether it's whether it's musically it's a person as like a man whatever it is I've always felt like a few seasons behind everybody else so what that's I'm following this analogy what that did to me is in it implanted this like fear in my mind that everybody else is an architect and everybody else is where they are because they plan to get there. Right. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and then it put like the blame on myself where I, it's like, oh, I just have not been intentional enough or maybe not hardworking enough or there's something wrong with me. That is the baseline thing, which does that insecurity does the same thing as yeah. the, uh, the architect trying to force thing. It, I guess maybe it just all comes down to like open or closed for me. You're either open or you're closed down. And fear can close you down, and insecurity can close you down, or too much intentionality can close you down, or... Or the wrong view of yourself can close you down. Yes, totally. Like, I mean, so when you said a bigger pot or a safer pot... Right. Or, or, you know, it, it wasn't exactly what you said. But I think everybody likes to think that growth implies that they need to move to a bigger pot. <laughs> that they need to keep filling That's the a American larger way, space, right? Yeah. Um, but man, bigger is always better. You know, Don't you know that? Totally. I mean, I think it's it's you can continuing the analogy, I think you can say, "Oh, I need to be in a bigger pot because I don't want to be root bound." <laughs> Because I've got so much growing to do. But viewing yourself higher than you ought to, I mean, that's a good example of that. Like, oh, I need to move to a bigger pot. I need to... And you see different expressions of that. But I think going up to what you're saying, Rob, is I think, yeah, fear, insecurity, all of that totally will stifle a person's growth. And that fear and insecurity is brought on by an incorrect view of oneself. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or or like an an incorrect view of how it works for me. Yeah. Like I just remember on like the biggest thing for me in life was like back in the day, Rob Bell had something that he said. I think his whole deal was like his phrase was my evolution is taking a while. Yeah. And I just, I that became like that. a mantra of mine for a few years. Like that, that is just, this is not, I don't know. I think, I think the most freeing sentence in the world is for me, at least in my life has been, this is how it works. Yeah. That that's not a glitch in the matrix. I, I look at, oh. you know, you're talking about, you were the, a smaller plant in the garden. Yeah. It's like, and late to develop. Yeah. 
but maybe it's like what you were doing was you were growing the roots first, you know? Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes mistreatment or, you know, that kind of stuff actually can force you to grow some roots because you have to go, okay, this is not easy. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, so you grew the roots yes. first. And then you, I mean, you're taller than both of us. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Combined, Phys- so physically, I could tell you, you're puberty, a way bigger was, plant puberty was so confusing. I'm <laughs> 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 like, 38 this year. The doctor says, uh, The third time I hit puberty, I should start getting facial hair, so it's good. I mean, yeah. it'll all settle in by 42. You should, you should be able to grow a beard. Yes, yeah, yeah. By 42, yeah. <laughs> Finally, that corn plant needed to be detasseled. <laughs> yes. uh, oh. oh man. Okay, can I change the subject? Please. Please. <laughs> so I, I read this article this morning in uh, the New York Times. David French, I don't know if you know who he is, he just became a columnist for the New York Times like a month ago. Okay. Uh, and he wrote an article about uh, males in America and how a lot of people think what we really need is respect and that what we demand is respect and what he said is no we need purpose mm. Mm. and I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing and I I agree with that yeah because I mean in a way respect comes respect comes externally right and of course you you can either I mean you kind of need to earn respect yeah because people don't just give it to you willy nilly right so you earn it, but it, it still comes from external. Whereas purpose is something more that comes from, from your roots in your garden. Um, I don't know. I was just wondering if, what you guys thought of that. Um, I mean, the, the times when I've, I just haven't done the bat, when I know I'm in trouble or when I'm doing things or thinking in a certain way that cause me to lose respect for myself. And that's the greatest loss of respect, right? That is when you lose at, respect for yourself, oh, now yeah. now you're in trouble. Totally. <laughs> and so like it's that that you know, for all my trying, I can't get rid of my Christian upbringing. And so there's this passage in Proverbs that says Try harder, by the way. A man without limits. <laughs> yeah, it's hey, leave that Bible stuff somewhere else. A man without limits hates himself. You know, and I, I, every time I push limits on anything in my life or say that I don't need rest or say that I can ingest whatever fatty object I want to, <laughs> you know, um, uh, or anything that puts me in a, a, you know, negative state of mind or a sloppy state of mind, I start to lose respect for myself, you know, and that's the, that's the hardest thing for sure. What does that look like for you when that happens? I'm just curious. I I think we've probably all done that at some time, right? Yeah. We've done something where we go, man, I just lost some respect for myself there. Yeah, I mean, usually I crockpot it. I take that. <laughs> I take. That, I take that mistake. I put it in the crockpot, turn it on low, and you just let that thing simmer for <laughs> fourteen hours or a decade. Yeah, solves a lot of problems. Is that? It, it's, everybody knows it's cooking in the house. Everybody in the house is like, oh, it smells oh, good. Oh yeah, it just smells, smells like regret. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like a time bomb. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so no. usually, I mean, it, it's so funny how 
one bad conversation, one missed opportunity, one time where I probably had one more beer than I should have, um, like how I relive those mistakes a lot. And I need to have a prolonged period of time where I'm being really conscious about re-earning respect for myself before I'm, I have grace Yeah. to be like, oh yeah. Like I had this conversation with our neighbor, our dogs get together. It's, you know, our dog goes over to their house or, or their dog comes over to ours and it's cool. But the first time I met them two years ago, um, I said like four stupid things in a row that made me just sound like a complete jackass. <laughs> like it's I'm I know it for sure. We talk and we're like we're we're buddies now. But and I've never gone back there with him because I just don't want to know what he thought. <laughs> and, I kind of want to know what you said now. But no, but yeah, I, I mean, I so like I saw it, it yeah. was him and his wife and their little you know three year old daughter and their dog who's best friends with our dog, and uh, and I'm talking to him and he's like uh, he said something about you know we we never thought we'd be able to live in this part of the cities we're so glad that we do and you know we've got five acres and stuff and out of my mouth they said oh well, man you got the place for a song such a great backhanded compliment it's totally okay for yeah. poor people like you it's <laughs> 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 what it sounded like oh, I'm like oh my so gosh good. and then in the same oh. conversation he's like hey <laughs> Do you and he was super gracious in that moment if I, if I reflect back. But then in the same conversation he wanted to know about the barbed wire fence between our property. Yeah. He goes, "Do you do you know if that's yours or if that's ours?" And uh, and I said, "Well, I don't I don't really know. I just think the property line stops here, blah blah blah. This is officially like dad zone, right? Yeah. You're oh, talking yeah. about oh, property yeah. lines oh, and yeah. fences." Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> And he's like, well, I, you know, I was looking at the survey, and, and I think it's yours. I wonder what you think about you know, taking it down so the dogs can go back and forth easier. And I think I was just grumpy. This is the same conversation as insulting them over you know, like yeah. how much they paid for the house. And I was like, well, if you want to take it out, you totally can. <laughs> like, what's going on? Yeah. Am I just this much of a monster? Or maybe I have been. Maybe I, you, you know, maybe this is just the first time I've noticed it. And I'm a horrible guy. Yeah. You know? I don't think that's horrible. No, I, I was, it's not worth it's not worth putting me taking the time to. You can take, take it out if you want. You're more than welcome to. Totally. You saved all this money on the house. You might as well rent a bobcat. That is good. So, I you know it it's um so I that's just one of the thousand you know interactions that I've crockpotted. Like man, I was a real <laughs> jerk. Oh. There, you know, and there have been others that aren't nearly as laughable. Yes. <laughs> but I, you know, so it's, I haven't found the balance between like living life to its fullest and being really conscious of um, needing to also be healthy while I live my life to, to the fullest. 
Like that idea, Rob and I have this joke that we're going to start this religion called mystical hedonism. Oh, I wanted to bounce this off of him. And uh, it's like, it's Bill Murray is one of the patron saints. Of course. Of mystical hedonism. Uh, and so, you know, we've talked about, man, it's the way that we've compared a lot of notes about yeah. how we travel or just literally like how, like how do the first three hours of the day Yes. pan out and usually it's the pursuit of there's something more going on here and yes. I'm going to really enjoy myself yes yeah. there's you know? pleasure to be found in all things yeah it's mainly the belief it is and there's always something more be- underneath the surface more to be found yeah totally this is about this this is all yeah yeah and so I'm trying to figure out how to how to live a life with lesser regrets so that I can enjoy life more but I don't, I mean, it's honest, I think I, I'm in a long stint of a couple of years where if I don't respect myself, the respect of anyone else doesn't matter. And ironically, if I do respect myself, I totally have more of like a FU mentality. Like right. I know the work that I'm doing yeah, yeah. is good. I know that I care about other people in my life as much as I care about myself. Yes. I don't care what you think. Yeah. yeah. You know? But I think that's that's a, a good place to get to. I want to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. you know, I some of the things that I've written, I've gotten some pretty nasty comments on. I don't know if you've seen any yeah. of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my wife has asked me sometimes, she goes, so-and-so said this, doesn't that bother you? And I go, no. Because... Well, tell me if you guys agree with this. So there are people that I respect. Yeah. And there are people, you know, for whatever reason, I don't respect. Yeah. If those people who don't respect me disrespect the things that I'm writing, where I feel like I have respected myself for writing that, Mm. and it's part of my purpose, it doesn't bother me if they disrespect me. Yeah. It should almost validate you. Exactly. So that's kind of like what you're saying, Joel. Whereas if these people over here who I have great respect for, yeah. who I've invited to weigh into my life and you know, and, and give me their critique. Yes. If they, you know, say, I don't know, Terry, I think you need to rethink about this. I take that, then I have to take that seriously. Mm. But it's really interesting how you kind of divide people up and go. If I don't respect them, then I don't feel disrespected when they disrespect me. Totally. That makes sense? Yes. I mean, I think this at least once a week is I, I would never listen to the opinion of a person I wouldn't go to for help. Right. Like if I wouldn't, mm. if I, oh, that's good. if I, if I don't, if I wouldn't ask you for your opinion, then you don't want I, my opinion? <laughs> well, no, not you. You're one of those people. I'm like, I need to know what Terry no. thinks of me. So what do you think of me, Terry? I No, but I mean, if, if I'm not going to ask you for your opinion, then I don't need to listen to it if you offer it up voluntarily. You know, what we're saying here is really counter to, the, to our cultural norm with social media, with the desire for likes and stuff desire for likes from people you don't know and it doesn't matter who who it is as long as the number goes up exactly it's a it's a numbers it's a ratio it's a percentage and 
to a certain degree, a lot of our culture, they, de they derive their, their personal uh, respect from numbers. You know, oh yeah. From that kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's like you were saying, it's, like it's removed from relationship almost. So, you know, is our culture so desperate for affirmation and respect that it'll take it from anybody? I don't know. Have, uh, you, have you guys read Turning Pro by uh, Stephen Steve Pressfield? Pressfield? Yeah. No. He wrote The War of Art. Yeah, I love that book. I love that book too. And he. Brianna, you're listening. <laughs> Joel loves The War of Art, too. I oh, do. My daughter loves Same. that yeah. book. I love that book. And so he wrote <clears throat> Turning Pro, which is really an extension of War of Art. Yeah. So, is that it, a more recent one? Yeah. It's, i got to get that. It's in the past four or five years, and I, I listen to it once a year, and he he reads it, which is why oh, I listen oh, to it. Oh, it's so good. It's yeah. so good. Listen. Authors should always read their own books. I agree. <laughs> but he throughout the entire book easy juxtapositions between the amateur does this the pro does that oh, it's like, I like that. it's like the you know it's like the second book of proverbs really yeah, yeah. you know by Stephen Pressfield <laughs> the book of Pressfield <laughs> it's hear what the spirit is saying to the church and he Pressfield chapter three, exactly yeah. but it's so good and he talks a lot about the need for validation being an amateur characteristic throughout the book like caring about what others think looking for good reviews dwelling on it as an amateur trait and internal certainty, which I mean, that concern, man, it's a slippery slope between like being internally secure and respecting myself and being a narcissist. Yeah, I don't right. there's, there's plenty of self doubt there. Yeah. Um, but it's, he talks about just being certain of what one has to do yeah. as, you know, the opposite of looking for validation from people. What's the difference between validation and respect then? It's like, if you're seeking validation or if you're seeking respect. It's interesting that we, we all have the capacity to validate people, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's such an easy thing to do. Yeah. And yet it's something that we do not nearly, you know, especially, especially in the artistic world, I think, is, you know, we're, as artists, we're all a little, you know, we're too touchy-feely, we got our yeah. emotions, we're a little too up and down. You know, that's how, that's how we work, right? Yeah. So typically artists, I think, need validation because they're, they're not getting rich. Yes. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, you, just hold on. you just hold on to that, Joel. <laughs> what, what color is the sky in it's, your world? It's, well, I just had one of those eclairs, so it's bluer than normal. <laughs> Go, go make, go throw something in the crock pot. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah, so you just said something dumb. Yeah. That was stupid, Joel. I got proof. Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? Um, as artists, we need validation. Yeah, it's, and we have the capacity to yeah, validate. I, I think, especially as artists, we should, we should actually be. It's, it's like you were talking about. You know, instead of being having blinders on, look, keep eyes open, keep your eyes up, and look out at other artists and what are they doing that deserves validation and respect. It's like I wish, I wish the world was more of a, 
open to that role. Yeah. Yes. Because I love that. Because artists need it, and we need artists in our culture right now. Because the, you know, there's so much left brain and stuff over here that's architect driven, mm-hmm. and that doesn't ask the the why or why questions. Yeah. Just the how questions. You know, we need artists to ask the good questions. So artists need validation. And I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if artists get it. You know, I think they, a lot of artists seek it through social media and through that kind of stuff. You know, the, the huge artists get it. Yeah. But most, are, most artists are not the ones who are making the money and have mm. the huge platforms. Man, I think encouragement, another (coughs) word for validation could be encouragement. I think validation slash encouragement offered with no pretense whatsoever, like I'm not hoping to get anything out of this, is rare. But I think that's the way to help it sink in. Because a lot of good work is validated by our peers. But a lot of times it comes laced in, I wonder if validating you has something in it for me. Right. There's a little bit of that, you know? Um, uh, but it's, it's, like, it's like forgiving someone or saying sorry, right? Like the, the, the only apologies that are real apologies is when I'm going to say sorry and I have nothing to gain from it. Yeah. You know? It's not if... If you felt offended by that, then I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry you took it that way. <laughs> oh, oh, man, nothing boils my blood than I know. reverse apology like that. Yeah. Oh, you I'm misunderstood me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's, yeah, but, I mean, it's like you can offer real forgiveness mm-hmm. to someone when they're saying sorry and they, they there's obviously nothing for them to gain. And I think it's actually an internal switch that you flip. Mm-hmm. When you go to tell someone that they're doing a great job, or to keep it up, is that you go, there's nothing in this for me. Mm-hmm. I just turn it off, tell them, and let it be. That's all yeah. for them. Yes. It's not for you anymore. You yes. can't put criteria on how that interaction is going to go beyond you knowing that you just want to encourage them. Period. Done. But I have a really hard time flipping that switch. Even if it's for the sake of... Um, you know, wanting to have a deeper connection with a person. So I'll tell you how great of a job you're doing, but there's a little bit of a, like, yeah. I'd like to <laughs> yes. get something back. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Okay, let's get, like, let's get personal. Uh-oh. I'm going to throw this on you. Like, if you, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if there was a time where you found yourself at, like, a lower, like, a lower point of questioning, do I have a voice? Is it worth sharing with the world? Do I have something to say? And I'm wondering how you get yourself out of that. It's a good question. So when I, I finished my music career, you know, doing the jingles and stuff, uh, so much of my identity was tied up in that. Mm. You know, getting to work with ad agencies and great artists and stuff like that and making money. And when I, I let that go, it was like, okay, I'm not sure who I am anymore yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, because I didn't really have... I made the mistake of walking away from something before I had something to walk to. Yeah. But I knew that I had to walk away. So for me, um, 
when I walked away from that, it was because I, I, I was starting to feel lack of purpose in it. Hmm. And I, I was going, I have to find more purpose or, or I don't respect myself. Hmm. Yeah. So I, start, I, I walked away and then I had to go, I have to find a purpose. So I found a purpose in the, you know, writing the books and speaking and in the nonprofit thing. So I found purpose. I didn't find financial gain. <laughs> um, but I think what I discovered through that is that purpose, I can live on purpose uh, more successfully than I can live on um, success. Success or, 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 or like financial security. Security, yeah. Right. So I have less <laughs> financial security now than I've ever had. Uh, but I, I would say I probably have more purpose. So that you know ties back to the that whole thing we talked started talking about yeah. earlier. Is I think I think if I have purpose, then I like you were saying I respect myself. So I I can respect I can wake up in the morning I can look in the mirror and go, what you have to do today matters and it makes a difference in the lives of people. And, you know, and I've started to look at how can I make the difference in the lives of people whose lives need to be made a difference in? You know, that was really poor grammar, but you know what I mean. It was great. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, I, I guess, Rob, I think purpose, if, if I have purpose, I can go on. And I, I do feel like I get I feel like I get respect because of that. And I think we all need respect, but I think it has, for me, it has to be driven by the fact that I first have some purpose where I can respect myself. And now uh, that, can yeah. get, that can get me out of a lot of funks. Yeah. How about you? Well, I mean, I, uh, dude, my, so my grandpa passed away exactly a year ago this month. Uh, last year and when he died turn I was my parents put me in uh, in charge of going through all his like c computer stuff electronics like just sort this stuff out so I was at his desk for hours and hours and I found this hidden file buried in his folders and he had written a memoir and, a, and turns out he had is like an incredible memory so he has details from his childhood in there so but long story short he had this whole period after his military career where he moved down to the Lake of the Ozarks and my grandma was working and he has this time where he talks about it. It was this confusion of essentially asking, what's my purpose? Hmm. I don't have a purpose right now. Wow. And that always, at least for in my family, I've seen, I had a conversation with my dad and for me, I, I it happened over these past few years is... At least in our thing, lack of purpose always leads to some kind of depression. Yeah. Like really pretty, right. pretty dark. Uh, just questioning everything. So, yeah, I've been. I, so I totally agree with that. Without purpose, it just is. It's almost beyond out of gas. It's like it's like a negative force of like. It takes so much more convincing yourself to get out of bed in the morning, or. I wonder if. This kind of ties into the validation. What if 
what if us being willing to share, like your grandpa, what if he would have shared that with you? Oh, yeah. You, you know, oh. what if we were willing to actually share totally. the times in our lives when we go, I'm lacking purpose, I'm having a hard time getting up in the morning. What if we were willing to share that with other people, especially artists yeah. who have all experienced that and are probably experiencing it regularly? Yeah. What if, I mean, that, that could be a form of validation, too, that says, hey, you may be here now. I've been there too. Yeah. And I'm probably going to be there again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they did, they just so they don't feel alone. Yeah. Yes. I think training in how to identify those things so they don't run the show. Right. Is really important. Right. Right? Like, to, okay. I think meditation is great for that. Like, I do, like, I'm not a super meditator, but I meditate 10 minutes every morning. Just use an app, you know, start the timer and go. And um, the the whole purpose is what they say is that you just notice how oftentimes the thoughts that you have. You're number one. You're not identifying exactly what thoughts you're having and how they just kind of run rampant and run the show in your <laughs> head, you know. And so if your thoughts are good and optimistic, then that's fine. If they're pessimistic and degrading, then that's not so good. Right. You know, and so I, I feel like just when I'm 38, the, I'm just in the past couple of years started to identify thought processes that go, oh, these are, this is totally getting in my way. Like, oh. it's, I'm totally undercutting my sense of purpose and well-being and mm. sense of... Yeah adding value in the world yeah. just because you know I'm crockpotting that one thing that I did and not realizing how much that is running the show so being able to help yeah. people notice would be a, a key yeah. in figuring out how to <coughs> reclaim purpose faster I've been thinking about that with my kids because you've got a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Just thinking about, okay, maybe that is a journey that I need to help them with is just notice, okay, it, you're feeling discouraged right now. That's normal, number one. Yeah, it's right. totally normal to be discouraged. Actually, you'll probably be discouraged half of the time in this life. Uh, but how do we not move past it, but maybe move through it a little more directly instead of avoiding yeah. it and then just perpetuating that feeling. Never thought about that role with my kids before. I, I like that, even like you said, like how do you reclaim purpose faster? Because answer, I've just at least found like answers, all advice is simply telling someone how to be more like you or or like or just advice is just something you would like advice you'd probably someone gives you advice that's probably advice that they would have given to their younger self so oftentimes right. I feel like it and they if, they can be dangerous because if it doesn't fit with the specifics they're not it, it has no weight right the specifics of someone's journey right right so for me like <laughs> questions are so much more um Malleable, or they have so much more like uh, strength under bending in situations because that allows someone in to be able to fill in 
they fit in so many different circumstances. Yeah. If that makes That's sense. That's a wonderfully mature way of thinking about that. Thanks, yeah, yeah. Joel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like so, just what you're yeah. saying, asking questions. Yeah. Instead of giving advice. Yes. You know, ask questions because that shows. I actually want to know what it is that yeah. you're, you're going through right now. Yeah. Yeah. Versus tell you how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's... Uh, at our church, they were talking about doing a, a, a grandparenting class. Oh, cool! Where, where you're invited to, um, you know, to not, or they're saying with your adult children, um, do not offer advice until you're invited to give it. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, tread lightly. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's such it's such a good thing because it's so easy for us sometimes. Because, you know, we we had children that age. Yes. And we went through it from beginning to the time they graduated or whatever. Yes. So we've experienced it. So we think we have some insight. And we maybe do. Yeah. But every kid is different. Right. So And, and, then, it, and the times are different. Times are completely different. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if my parents would have offered that advice when I was in that age, I would have gone, I didn't ask for that, you know? Oh, my gosh. So it's like, oh, okay. Um, it's like um, entering into somebody else's experience with humility and going, I don't, I don't know your whole situation and I don't really have a solution for it, but I care. Yes. You know, and I want to hear... Um, Yes, hell yes. That is the core of curiosity. That is the, what curiosity right. in relationship means. It's like the admittance of I don't know your situation. So why and is the it desire. so hard to admit that? Why is it hard for us as humans to at, admit we don't know? At, at, because we have to know. You have to, I gotta uh, know. Beca- because it's ever. It's what I don't know. This is. It's what we were talking about earlier with the baristas and like it. Man, it feels so much better to hear Sam tell you. Dude, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever wine you like is the wine you like. Or yeah. like having that confidence. No but espresso we, is good espresso. Yes. it's all burnt. Yes. it's just which degree of burnt do you like? Yes, <laughs> totally. I'm so, so I tie that in by saying I think like because we just naturally like that, we hold that uh, we hold different people's opinions in different regards right. to ourselves. We want, at least for me, I'll say I want to always come across as someone that someone else can hold my opinions and thoughts in higher regard. Right. And just like my, I remember when I first started getting into music, it was really clear at university when we were studying music, the people that, the, the fastest and easiest way to set yourself up as someone that knows what the hell they're talking about is to have opinions. And like, as quickly as possible. Oh, I hear this piece of music, I've got an opinion, this is good to have, and specifically, even if you want to go to the next level, is to state what you don't like about something. Because yeah. anybody can be positive about everything, yeah, but right. if, you, if you say, I don't like that, then you must have elevated <laughs> taste. Interesting. Man, oh, that, and that's the thing with the Psalms and coffee and stuff, maybe, yeah, right? It totally is. You set, it's so much easier to set your, position yourself as an expert by proving, critiquing. by critiquing. Because that proves you have a palate. You guys, there's a, a lyric in a song by Ben Sidron where he says, critics can't swim, can't float. They just stand on the shore and wave at the boats. You share with... Great? Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's one of my yes. all-time favorite I, lyrics because, you know, it's very easy to be yeah. a critic. Yeah. You know, and 
we think that gives us validation too. Like, okay, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like the critics are standing on the shore. They're not in the water. Dude, that's why I'm so drained by social media and stuff. I, and one of the reasons why I almost didn't keep doing this podcast is because I'm just so freaking sick and tired. Of It feels like there are more people talking about making things than there are people actually making things. Yeah. Everybody's a critic. Everybody. The fact that we have these stupid reaction videos. If I see one more on my feed of like someone saying something and having a thought about it and then one other person, a video of themselves on a selfie going, huh. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to snap my phone in half. I, you should. If only this was a video oh, podcast. Man, right? I'm just dumping coffee in my face. Yeah. I'm so pissed. What it is. It's like there's yeah. so many. It's such a faster because you can instantly have an opinion yeah. about something. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't have opinion because the part of being an artist is having an opinion, having a damn opinion is yeah. what James Victoria says. Uh, yeah. But that's an opinion for yourself that yes. usually should be a guiding principle for you. Yes. I wouldn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. But that's because it's me. Yes. You know, versus, oh, that person, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. You should change yes. how you do yeah. things. So when is it appropriate to be a critic? But when it's related to ourselves, I would say. I have carte blanche freedom to critique whatever the heck about me I want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, isn't there a role, too, for people to, like, I mean, when you're looking at our culture and stuff and you see things, I mean, I've written some things where I'm critiquing some things in culture, and I get a whole lot of pushback, say, you're just causing division, you know, you're a critic. But there are times where I go, I feel like I have to say something here, I can't help myself. And I probably say stuff sometimes when I shouldn't. But part of me goes, I I think there is a role for critics, but... I have an opinion sure. on that. Discerning. Okay, what's your opinion, Rob? Uh, do you have something? I don't, no. Because <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and it, my mind was changed by a psalm, and I can't remember if it's Amy Sansway interviewed or somebody else. The role of a proper critic is that of, of a hedge fund investor. So the thought of the, the real role of a sommelier in wine is to, because every time you go to a restaurant and say you're going to buy a fancy bottle of wine as just uh, one of us normies like <laughs> you you're making a bet and the bet is I'm going to invest this amount of money in the hopes that my return investment is a great bottle of wine that I like yeah. for this moment so the role the true role of a psalm is to say okay well tell me what you like it always should be led with questions right. tell me your taste yeah. what are you looking for and to help direct you to say Avoid this one. Right. Do this. This you should buy this one. And so, I was in I was in Ireland, having a conversation with this guy named the Guinness Guru, and he, his whole thing is he puts up and he rates Guinness, uh, and he's explode like Guinness is higher. He uh, he's in he's done just about every pub I think now in Ireland, and he's huge, and he goes. And he just goes to pub without letting them know he's there for it, or maybe they do. And he gets a pint, and he has a rating system. And he says, okay, this pint's 
a three out of ten. And he says, "Why? This is it's creamy. It's got great domage. He's got the whole thing. I got a whole Irish accent. It's got a whole thing. Like what, what a proper pint is." And he says, in our conversation, he was talking about how people like start giving him crap. Like, who is this guy? To like your opinion matters. Like you're gonna start consulting. But his response was like, "No, I'm not the end all be all." But if someone's coming over to Ireland, you only have a, or you you live here, you only have a certain amount of money to spend, and a certain amount of time to go to pubs. I'm help. I want to be someone that can like help you say this one has a bad. Go spend your time wisely over there. Not yeah. he, and he's like, I try to actually avoid doing like giving negative reviews, and it's more of elevating yeah. places that are doing great things. So if you critique with the goal of improving and, and raising somebody. Yes. Or something or some concept or idea up to a higher level. Yes. So there's a purpose. Yes. So there's a purpose to lift versus to bring down. Right? I love That's that. That's so good. That is, oh, that That's is the so essence good. of That's it. That's it. That is, yes. Yeah. Kieran Foliard uh, had on last year, and his whole thing is, he goes, everybody says the tide rises all boats, but I think it's missing the end. The tide rises all boats except for the ones that have holes punched in them. And Whoa. his thought was like, you, like you're, if you're not ready, his thought was like, if you're not ready and you haven't been taking care of the things you need to take care of when the opportunities come. If the water rises, the you're rise, going to sink. You're going to sink. It's act, yeah, wow. you're going to sink. But I also, when I, what I took from it was, I am so freaking sick and tired of spending my life punching holes in other people's boats. Yeah. And so for like, especially if anything, like with social media or this podcast I'm just like I'm kind of just done like there's enough negativity out there as much as I can just focus on the positive things and shed light on that the trouble is I I actually enjoy being a critic oh it feels okay yeah you know it's because you know I I see some things in our culture in our in evangelicalism or whatever and I go... It's an easy target. <laughs> there's some things I just feel I have to say, you know? Yeah. And I feel this is a legit thing to critique, Yeah. you know? Yes. So, so then where do you draw the line between when it is legit and it's something that needs to be critiqued, hmm. then, then it's like, okay, then you have two questions. It's like... Am I the person who should do it? Yeah. And then how do I do it? So I don't, I, and I don't know, and I get, I get a lot of pushback on this of like, I don't understand why you feel you have to do that. If you flip this on its ear, you would say, I mean, anything that can't be critiqued is actually fake. That's true. So I mean, it, it's like the role of the role of jesters in the 15th and 16th <laughs> century. Do you know this? So is that? Are you telling me that's what I am here? Maybe. The court jester. <laughs> Maybe. No. <laughs> well, no, but it's court jesters get a bad rap because people don't understand <laughs> that's it. But what if I you say. look at the background, the court jester was there to to la, to volley really jokes at everyone. Yeah. Especially the people sitting in higher seats. Yeah, Seth Meyer. He's, yeah, he's, to, he's today or Colbert. They're today's court jesters, right? Absolutely, because if you can't, I mean, so if 
uh, a king kept a jester around, a ruler would keep a jester around to poke fun at them to show that I, it, you can poke holes in me and I won't leak. Yeah. Like, huh. if, if you can't make fun of a leader, if they take offense at you, then how strong is their leadership? Yeah. How, str- how stable is their kingdom? I wonder if, if to be a, a legit critic, you have to be willing to critique yourself first and to accept critique. Huh. You know, so that, I mean, this is back to the eyes open curiosity, learning, yeah. you know, as long as you are open uh, to learning about where you have holes in your boat, you know, you... you what your you fragile get, spots are. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing is we often don't see those, so we need other people sometimes to yeah. point, like our spouses, to point them out to us and say, I don't know if you're aware of this, but <laughs> what, what you just said is kind of counter to what you preach. You know, but I keep coming back to there's a I have this natural tendency to want to to hold a mirror up to some specific groups of people. Yeah. And say, look at yourself. (laughs) You know, I see this because I'm looking at you. You're not seeing it because you're not looking at you. Here's a mirror. My greatest my greatest fear is that Terry Esau would say. <laughs> look at yourself. Look at yourself. Joel Bowers, just look at yourself. Take a look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder where that desire comes from, because I have that too. Well, I mean, in a way, that is the role of an artist, is to hold up a mirror to culture. Yeah. Right? It's also the role of a friend. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've lived so much I've, I've being like someone who like a real person I'm thinking about everything you're saying because I feel like I've spent a lot of my life shaming away from hard conver- or not shaming away uh, like, shying, shying away, away from yeah. hard hard conversations and calling some out and saying like alright let's have this difficult conversation or being critical because you know what if you don't like me I want to be agreeable when do you like me whatever yeah. um, but I think there is the more, the older I've gotten and the more aware of myself I've gotten and things, I've realized that like, if you truly, there's actually, like how much do you have to really hate someone to not hold up that mirror sometime? That's a really interesting statement. How much do you have to not love somebody to, to not have that hard conversation? That's a yeah, worldview yeah. right there. Yeah. That is a worldview. Yeah. You can either say okay well the preservation of or the it's the reservation of this thing that I see it's actually just love for you right or the reservation of you know presenting what I see is is actually disdain yeah for a person right I did have a mentor who said like the best way to punish somebody you don't like is to never correct them yeah. Just let them keep doing what they're doing. Really? Yeah. And I, that's dark. It's super dark. So dark. Yeah. Like, well, haha, joke's on you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, it's what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Like, how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them what you see? Yeah. 
But then you also have to look at the maturity of that other person. Huh, yeah. And go, yeah. how how do I say this in a way that they can actually hear it? And can they actually hear it? And at first, yeah, that's the first step. Yeah. Will this person be able to hear it? If they can't, do you still do it? Or do you let it go? I think maybe it depends on how much you love that person, how close you are to them. Because if you, like you were saying, Rob, if you really love somebody, you're not doing them any favor by withholding that information. Yes. Dude, what you're saying right now makes me think of ties even back into the like gardening thing. And what you were saying either, am I like pushing down or lifting yeah. up? Like the core question maybe being is 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 the point of this the hopes of them growing more by saying this right. I hope that you flourish more into like your fullest self or am I just trying to cut cut down totally. your bands branches it's like the best advice I've ever gotten back to the advice thing the best advice I've ever gotten from people is when they're pushing you into connection deeper connection with others and with yourself mm. yeah you know, like it's, it's, I've, um, I was bemoaning a year ago how hard it is to be the dad of a teenager. And really? Yeah, it can be. <laughs> I'm learning. I know nothing about it really, but it's, yeah, I know it's hard every day. Uh, and he, it's, I, uh, bumped into a friend and he asked how, you know, our, our, kids were doing I'm like oh man it's parenting a teenager is really tough and he proceeded to share a story about his 19 year old son who went off to college and just completely didn't go to class ended up like kind of turning his life around paying his dad back for those two semesters that uh, of college that he just kind of wasted away and my friend goes you know all I'm learning is with kids who are growing into adults like crossing that threshold always prioritize connection because yeah. they're going to need that more than they need anything else and it was just like oh my gosh it was the, the best the yeah. best parenting advice for a teenager that I've I've ever received just always prioritize connection yeah prioritize connection over rules I think is what he said yeah I was like oh man so tough but it's true you know, it's, I mean, you're, it, you can do that with a spouse too. Like, hey, I want you to act this certain way because it makes my life easier. <laughs> right? But that's not what connection looks like. Right. Huh. So I think if, if we're going to give advice, it needs, to, it needs to help people be more open and loving and right. less constrictive and controlling. I was going to say something. I love that. Uh, the connection thing is huge. I was going to say, like, how do we receive critique? And I think we should, we should um, foster this sense of not being easily offended. Yeah. You know, I think it's so easy for us to be offended and to be defensive. And as soon as you become easily offended or defensive, it's difficult to be curious at that point, right? Yeah. Because now you've automatically put up this wall, mm -hmm. and as long as that wall is up, you can't let 
this constructive advice, which maybe feels like critique. Yeah. You can't let it in. Yeah. So, but all everything we've been talking about today is, is requires actual maturity. Totally. Right. So if you if you want to be a good critic, you have to be a mature person who looks at yourself, who observes culture, you know, who sees the picture somewhat accurately. If you're going to receive critique, you have to be a mature person, especially if you're going to receive critique. It's easier to give it without maturity than it is to receive it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that's good, Terry. But it's like, how do, how do we become less easily offended? So that we can keep growing. Exactly. We can stay yeah. curious and be loving people. And when we need to right. offer critique, we're doing it from a place of genuine care right. where it's hopefully right. received. Right. You've been listening to Rob Morgan is a Curious Person. Nothing you've heard in today's episode reflects the opinions or beliefs of Guinness, Curious Endeavors, the Republic of Ireland, or anyone living or dead. Quite frankly, those who said it have probably already changed their minds, and we offer you the most sincere apologies on their behalf. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations recorded all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it, but he won't budge, so that's where we're currently at. Visit thecuriouspod.com today or click the link in the show notes for more great crack. We hope you'll enjoy. <laughs>